Good morning. This is another episode of Unstoppable Leadership with guest Monica Frederick. And she is not only a life coach, she has also worked in the corporate environment. And she, just like many others, including myself, we found ourselves in a way to where we were not fulfilled doing our daily jobs. And it was spilling over into the personal realm of our lives. Monica, thank you for joining us this morning on Unstoppable Leadership. And I think your story has a huge merit for our listeners because there are so many of us out there that are where me and you were. And they need to realize that there is a way out and there's people out here that can help them with that. So without further ado, introduce yourself to our audience. Let them know what got you to change from where you were at in corporate to what you are doing now. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I think my story is probably going to be, it's going to sound pretty familiar with, I think, a lot of other people out there. So um, after school, I hadn't actually finished my degree, but I was able to find my way into a corporate job in the fashion industry. And I thought that was going to be what I was going to do until I retired, like until I was 65, and then I can retire, and then I can figure out what I could do with the rest of my life. But I got about a decade in, and I started just feeling so upset about everything in my life. It felt like all of the walls around me were tumbling down. It felt like every area of my life was just not meeting up to where I thought I was going to be. And it also felt like it just felt like everything was going wrong. And I had no idea why. And all of that just made me feel so so powerless, really. It just made me feel like I had no control over any area of my life. And because of all of that, like I kept finding it, I kept finding evidence of like how I wasn't enough or how I wasn't able to fix these different areas of my life because I had to keep going to my job that I hated. And because of that, that made me feel really tired. And because of that, then I couldn't, you know, Uh, take the time to like make food that was healthy for me. I couldn't, um, you know, spare the energy for figuring out like why I was getting into kind of fights with my husband and things like that. And so it was like all of these different areas of my life, it felt like kind of was rolling down this hill. And it just felt like a snowball effect where it just kept going and going and growing. And it just felt like more out of control every day that I woke up. And it wasn't until like I got to a point, like I remember this so clearly, I went in to my corporate job every single day. And it felt like it felt like a prison sentence, really, it felt like I was just going in doing my time for for what crime, I don't know. But it felt like I had to do my time. Right. And it's like, would you tell yourself that it's like, man, that is so disempowering. But I didn't think that it was because of what I said to myself. I just thought that was the way that it was. Like, I didn't even question it. Like all of these things that I believed about myself, I'm like, oh, well, because I didn't finish my college degree, I can't quit this job that I hate. And because of that, um, I'm going to basically stress out about it all 40 hours a week that I'm there. And then I'm going to come home and all the extra time that I'm awake, I'm either going to find ways to block my feelings or escape my feelings with usually me for me it was binging tv 
I would really come home and tune out completely. Um, so it was either like a mix of that or a mix of stressing out about going into work the next day. And I remember so clearly that I got to a point where I, the job I was in had like this restaurant attached to it and that I usually would go to for lunch. And so I went to lunch and I remember I, I was like, screw this. I don't want to go back to my job. Like I want to just feel happy at one point during the day today. And I remember eating this cake that was meant for four people. And I, I, I kept eating it and I was crying. Like I was literally crying. I couldn't, I, it felt like I couldn't stop. I'm like, I'm just going to eat the cake because like this actually makes me feel a little bit different. And I remember in that moment, I'm like, I, something has to change. I cannot keep living. I can't keep living this way. Like, I feel like I, I can't even control my hand putting like the fork in my mouth at this point. You know what I mean? And so for me, I thought that was all my job. I thought it was my horrible boss. Like she was devil wears Prada, like no joke. <laughs> every single hair was perfectly in place. We had like Louboutins on every single day. I mean, which I am not hating on. Like, I'm, I love fashion girl at heart. I do love all of that. But what I'm saying is that she had very high expectations, like in, insanely high expectations and would call you out in front of everybody all the time. Anyway, I could go on to horror stories about that. <laughs> so it was easy for me to place all of my blame on her. It was easy for me to place all of my blame about the way that my life felt and basically feeling powerless over what I was doing all on her or all on the job stress and things like that. But it wasn't until I started actually doing something about it is when my life changed. And at first I thought it was because I just needed to lose some weight. At that point, like I was so stressed out. I gained so much weight so quickly. I had never gained that much weight before in my life. And it was scary. And after that cake incident I was telling you about, um, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So if I can just lose some weight, I'll be happy again. Like, this will be fine. I'll go back to blissfully being ignorant about my job and just, you know, feel like I'm like have so much possibility and things like that. So I thought like eating some vegetables and running on a treadmill was going to be my salvation. That's what I really thought. And so I did that and I lost some weight and I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm feeling a little bit better. But it wasn't until I actually kind of like focused in on what was happening inside of my brain, because even though my outside was changing my inside, like I still felt just as sluggish and miserable as I always had. And it was because it was telling myself that there was nothing that I could do. There was no other chances for me that I had no transferable skills. Um, you know, I was too broke to leave my job, things like that. All of the things that I was telling myself was why I was feeling upset with myself and just why I was feeling upset with my life. And it wasn't until I started actually realizing that and seeing how that actually affected every area of my life, not just how I was in my job, but it affected how I was with my husband. It affected how I was, um, you know, with my health and things like that. So once I saw that pattern, I was able to connect the dots and be like, oh, I can stop putting Band-Aids on the on the wrong finger that's bleeding. Like I'm putting a Band-Aid on my right pointer finger when it's like my left wrist that's actually like bleeding. You know what I mean? So now I'm actually, I was able to heal that wound, I guess you could say, and be able to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. So oftentimes, like that's the exact same thing that I do with clients. Like we figured that out first, then we figure out, do we need to start a new business? which almost always it is because yeah. there's 
you know, things are changing in this time, which I am really excited about. And I think a lot more people are leaning in that direction of creating yeah. what they want. But sometimes it is a career change. And sometimes it's just being able to manage your emotions around your job and just starting a passion project. But yeah. long story short, that's what I do. <laughs> And I think as you were telling your story and for me, because it's pretty much the same thing. I am really good at seeing where other people, as soon as they start talking, where their passion is at. And lo and behold, it takes those of us that are in it a while to see some of those things about ourselves. But you're correct. It takes the inner work in yourself first before you can even think about what else is your next steps? And I think when you were telling your story and you were telling that cake story, I think for you, that had to have been the pivotal moment of, okay, something has got to change. Who sits here and eats cake, bawling their eyes out and can't, can't control what they're doing. And we've all been in that spot one time or another, whether you're eating cake or you're sitting at a fast food drive-through, hogging down a burger, or if you were drinking that bottle of wine and you said, I was only going to drink one or two glasses and you drank that whole bottle. Mm -hmm. It's those things like that is when we realize, okay, I'm done. We've got to change. And I think for me, Mine was, is when I was working for the largest retailer in the world, I loved my job or thought, I thought I loved my job, but what I really loved was the people. The job itself, I didn't love so much. I absolutely hated it. I hated the stress. It was so bad that I was chewing the inside of my cheeks while I was asleep. Oh my so, God. Yes. yes. Oh, and it's so horrible. And you're going like, who does this? And it's because your body is so stressed out. So I went and got on anxiety medication and muscle relaxers. And thank goodness for the doctor that I had. She was like, okay, this is not an end all be all. We're going to fix this. You're not going to stay on this forever. She gave me, I think, six months. And before the six months was up, I was completely off of them within three months when I realized it is me who controls how I feel. Mm -hmm. And it is me who can control that outcome. So when you're talking about getting rid of, it's what I call that negative tape that plays in our head. What are some of those things that you did to help you get rid of that negative tape that was constantly running in your head? Yeah, I think a lot of it is first just realizing that it's not necessarily something that's just going to happen with a hack or going to happen with the right method or something like that. It's something that you've been doing for decades. And so it's like, I like to think of it like, you know, when you walk a path, like you're in a grass field and then you walk a certain path over and over and over and over again. It's like you're building this trench, right? Yeah. And so right now, all of these things that you're telling yourself, like, you know, for me, like I said, it was that I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't um, creative enough. I didn't have enough connections or resources to be able to go out and do my own thing. And so I kept walking that path over and over and over so much so that I thought it was just fact. I thought it was just like I was reporting the news. It was just the truth. And what I didn't realize was that there's a difference between cold hard facts, like true things that like, you know, like numbers or I don't know, other things that are actually 
factual. And then there are your opinions about the facts that feel just as factual as the facts, but they're not. Um, so for me, a fact was that I didn't complete school. That was a fact. But me using that as the reason why I couldn't do something else, that was an opinion that I had about the fact, right? But back then, I thought those were just two and one of the same, right? Like yeah. I had heard so often when I was growing up, like you have to have a college degree. And if you don't, then you're going to be screwed for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And because I had heard that so much, that was me starting to walk down that path. And then every time I told, I basically went out and I unconsciously kind of found evidence for that. Like, I'm like, yep. Okay. So this person didn't finish their college degree and they're not loving their life either. So that's another reason why. And so I used all, I kind of like just kept my eyes open for all of the reasons why that was true. And as I continue to gather more evidence unconsciously, of course, I was making that trench deeper and deeper, right? So first we have to realize that, like we have to realize the difference between what actual facts are and then our opinions that we've placed on about the facts. So once we start to do that, we we become self-aware. Like we start to realize like, oh my God, I'm, I'm actually kind of like adding on to all of these things and unnecessarily, like I actually didn't have to keep thinking that. And once you start realizing that, then you can consciously look for evidence of the contrary. So basically for me, I can go out and look for evidence, like using that example from earlier, I can use the example of, well, now my mind is going blank, but basically the idea of like finding somebody who is doing what I want to do, starting their own business, being successful in what they're doing without the MBA, which there now there are like, I mean, it's so much easier to see people who are successful and there's more, I think there's more uh, people starting their own business than there was even five years ago. And yeah. so the there's an abundance of evidence for that, but I had to consciously look for it because I'm starting a new path. I'm trying to dig my way out of the trenches that I kept building and walk a different path, if that makes sense. And so I think that's kind of like the first step is being not only aware um, of what your opinions about the facts in your life are, but being able to question it. Once you can actually challenge what you're telling yourself, like, is this actually true? Is this 100% true for every person? Like, again, using my example, is it 100% true that every human being on earth that, um, who didn't graduate college can't, you know, find wealth in a different area, right? Yeah. It's just starting with that. I like to think of it I kind of like to think of it as like, it's a little dark, but um, like dictatorships, right? Like mm -hmm. the only way they are super successful is when nobody challenges them. They just take the propaganda that they're given and they're like, yep, this is fact. And they never challenge it. But it's like when one person raises their hand and they're like, "Do wait, do we actually like have to do this? Like, does this actually make sense? Like, what if we try this for a while and see what happens? Once that person starts going, then more people follow them. And then, you know, eventually the dictatorship falls, right? So it's kind of the same idea with the voices in our mind. The, you know, the negative voice in your mind, like what you were just talking about. Once we start, like, if there's even one question that you ask it, you know, like, is that actually true? Do I have to keep thinking that? Do I have to keep letting this affect me? What if the opposite of this was true? How can I find evidence for that, right? Like, once we start asking ourselves what I call, like, high grade questions that basically lead us down a new path that we want to go, then we can start to actually fully shift down that way instead of trying to trick ourselves into doing that. We start to build evidence and believe it. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why I love 
law of attraction so much because it brings that up because it talks about one of the laws of law of attraction is the law of one. So what you do to yourself, you create a ripple effect and do to others. And that includes your mind. So when you're thinking about those things and when I was thinking about that, when you were talking about, okay, we got to make our mind behave. It brings me to Dr. Joe Dispenza and he actually wrote the book Becoming Supernatural. So in it, he talks about training your brain to basically, he says it in a way I really don't like it said, but he puts it in a way as we're going to make our brain sit down like a bad dog and you are not going to get up until I am done with meditation. And you're going like, you then once we're done, then you can have breakfast, then you can have coffee. And even though that I know where his premise is at on that, I was going like, I can see where he is going with that. So when we are getting away from the negativity and we're growing in our lives and we're either making a decision to follow a passion project or start our own business or find a better career, it is giving us that motivation to find that discipline to continue to do so. And that's one of the things whenever you were talking about that to bring that up because it's those things that as we go through and we think, okay, I know where I'm at right now. How can I change it? And one of the things that I found in my life and starting out in my career is I figured out I did get a master's degree in leadership and management. Do I really wish I had the debt for that? Absolutely not. Do I cherish that experience? Yes, I do. And one of the experiences that I did is I actually wrote a paper about motivation. And is it intrinsic or extrinsic? And yes, there is a ton of literature out there on motivation. But what I found for me is in order as coaches, that person has to, the person that we're coaching has to have that intrinsic motivation because it doesn't matter how good of a coach that you are. If they don't, there is no way we're going to get through to them. And I think that's when we have to realize and tell that client, hey, you're just, you're not a good fit. So have you ran across clients that way where you're going like they seem all going ho and then when you really get them to do that work, they're just like, nah, I'm not really interested in doing that. You know, that's so interesting <laughs> because I, I haven't yet. And here's why, like, I, I don't, I don't think it's helpful for me to think about like, oh, this person doesn't have the motivation to change their life. Because really deep down, every single person on earth wants to change their life. It's just how their belief in themselves, like the scale of the belief in themselves is equal, you know, it, it, it directly impacts that, right? So yeah. if their belief in themselves is all the way down here, you know, their motivation to keep going is going to be below that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're telling themselves that I can't. And so they, it's like their, their belief in themselves and just their belief in the world as a whole, if that is so low, then they don't have the motivation to try to see like, um, what other possibilities are out there. They, it's like they trick themselves. They, they put on the illusion that they don't want to change their life. And they start to, they think they start to believe that, right? But it's literally against, I truly believe it's just against our nature. It's just about being able to uncover that. So for me, my main focus on is not me uncovering that for them. It's more of me being the 
person to ask those challenging questions. Like for me, like I like to think of self-coaching kind of like what I was just talking about with you earlier is where you ask yourself challenging questions that you make yourself answer. So um, for the last example of like asking about like, you know, do I really need, um, does every person on earth have to have a degree to be able to do what they want to do. Like I would force myself to ask those questions. So I like to think of that as self-coaching, but if somebody's motivation and their belief in themselves is so low, they don't even know to do that. And they don't think that they can do that. So I become that person. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to ask these questions for them and make them answer because you know, they're, they're not going to sit there in silence. Most people, I'm, I'm comfortable with sitting in awkward silence. <laughs> so with like clients, I'll just be like, okay, so I ask a challenging question and I sit there and I wait for them to answer. Like, I don't fill the space. Like I, I like, I let that question just hang out in the air and they're like, they, they, I can see it in their eyes. Like, usually they're like, oh, usually somebody would just step in and save me from asking this question. They would they would try to kind of make the silence go away and then I can just avoid it. It's just like the art of like, you know, when you're in small talk and like, you know, somebody tries to fill up the, um, the dead air with um, really surface level crap. Like most humans are used to doing that, but like, you know, in coaching sessions, I'm like, Mm-mm, we are digging deep. We are not staying surface level. And you will, I will make you answer this. Like us sitting here in silence. If we have to sit here in silence the whole hour while you just come up with an answer to that one question, I've done my job. You see what I mean? Exactly. Uh, and that's happened before. Well, not a whole hour, I will say. They they usually come up, like if they say I don't know, I'm like, what if okay, so um what if I don't know is not an option? What's your answer now? You can't say I don't know again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like, I can see them warming. Like I'm like, I know this is uncomfortable. I'm making you super uncomfortable. Your skin is probably crawling right now. But usually by the end of the by the end of the six months, they're like, oh my God, thank you so much for doing that. Like, because friend, that's the difference I think between coaches and friends and family is like friends and family want to make you feel better. It's like my job's not actually to make you feel better. Cause if that was my job, then you would always be relying on me to make you feel better. I want you to make you feel better. And the only way to do that is to challenge yourself. Right. And so for me, I actually have the opposite happen. I actually have all the people who come in and sometimes I have a thought like real quick where I'm like, Ooh, okay. They're, they seem pretty I, I, this was early on in my coaching career, but I remember one client in particular, I'm like, there's, I don't think I can help them. And she actually turned, like, she had so much, like, basically just self hate at this point. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was almost to a point where I'm like, okay, mm, we might, I just might have to send you to a therapist, like, you know, let you go on your way. But I didn't, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to hold the belief that everybody wants to change their life. And I'm so thankful that I did because now she's going out and like starting her own yoga business. And she's written her first manuscript that she's been trying to do for eight years, things like that. And it's not because I did that for her. I don't take the credit for that. What I do take the credit for is just making them uncomfortable with themselves because we never do that. Like we always try to avoid feeling bad or feeling uncomfortable really. I don't want to say feeling bad, but just feeling uncomfortable. And I think forcing yourself to uncover all of this crap is hard to do. And that's, like I said, the difference between friends and family, like my friends, like when I'm around my friends and my family and they don't feel good about themselves, I'm not going to let them sit in silence. And you know, you know what I mean? It, the relationship, is, you know, I'm like, yes, let's go hate on that guy right now. You know what I mean? Like I let them 
put their emotion, like the responsibility of their emotions in somebody else, because that's the type of relationship that they have. They didn't come to me for coaching. They just wanted somebody to let, basically enable them to feel like, you know, delegate the responsibility to somebody else. But exactly. with, yeah, but with clients, I think that's different. And so I know that was a really long-winded answer to your question, but I, I refuse to believe that people can't do that for themselves. Yes. And you are correct because that was one of the things that I learned. And it is interesting on how when you start letting people sit in that silence, because um, the same way, I don't mind sitting in silence. I've asked some really hard questions and some of my clients are going like, I don't even know how to answer that then I'm going like, okay, then we need to figure out how to answer that. And it's going to be you answering it. It's not going to be me. And once I have done that, there was this one particular client that um, a lot of people would have said that he was a curmudgeon. That was how they said that he was. And once I really sat down with him because he was a hard person to get past that exterior for, But once we got past that exterior and really started asking the hard questions and I asked him, well, have you ever thought about starting your own business? Because you're extremely smart and he is extremely smart. He is in the IT, uh, the IT project management realm and he could run circles around. I had no clue about that stuff. And I'm going like, it's like speaking Japanese to me at this point. And once he realized how his interviewing that's one of the things that I'm really good at is digging out how people interview. And I said, okay, so how about instead of saying it this way, we say it another way because one of his techniques was to be extremely bluntly honest. And I'm going to tell y'all for those of you listening, if you were interviewing in a job interview, you don't want to be bluntly honest. (laughs) That will not get you the job I'm telling you now (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so once he realized what he was doing and we got him another interview and within two weeks he was promoted from a level one to a level 20 now I'm going to tell y'all this is not normal okay this is not the normal way of getting promoted but because he had previous experiences what catapulted his ability to go from a level one to a level 20 and it was amazing to see and it was all because I let him really do that inner work and ask those hard questions. So it's amazing as coaches that once we get somebody and we get past that exterior or those tough ones where we're going like, ah, man, I don't know if I can help you because there's so much to dig for and there's so much to bring up. And I want to be clear with our audience. So us coaches are not therapists. We are not counselors. But what we do do is we let you bring out what needs to be brought out and it is up to you on whether you want to change that or not and those are those things when we talk about having those fierce conversations you're going to have coaches that are going to push you and then you're going to have coaches that are going to try to be your friend and those are the ones that you steer away from we don't want to be your friend we want you to grow and so talking about growing let's talk about a little bit about passion projects for those of that maybe don't want to start a business yet or don't want to change careers, 
Let's talk a little bit about that. So what do your clients do when you start talking about passion projects? What are some of those passion projects that they have started? Yeah, I mean, some have gone on to like write, write a book that they just want to do just because because they have a really good story in them. Um, but sometimes they just tell themselves like, oh, well, I'm not like, you know, trying to go and write the next Harry Potter, like best selling series, you know what I mean? And it's like, you don't have to do this for other people. It's like, first, we need to figure out why, you know, you're hesitant on doing this, because almost always i've once we've gotten to the root of the problem it's like oh it's because you need validation from other people right so it's like if you're just doing a passion project and nobody else like no other human being sees it is it still worthy yeah that is the that's really the question of the day when it comes especially to passion projects that's usually why i know for me like when i first started um i actually i, I first started my podcast before i decided to become a coach and i'm like Oh, what is even the point? Like, you know, I don't really have an audience. Like nobody wants to hear me. And it was, it wasn't until I'm like, you know what, even if nobody listens or even if one person listens and I help them, then it's worth it. But really for me, like doing that was something that I enjoyed doing, even though I was nervous as hell. And like, oh God, the first episode, like it was nine minutes long and it took me six hours to do for perfectionism reasons. But I, I have uh, coached myself on that and, you know, gotten a lot better. <laughs> but, so, so what's the name of your podcast? It's called Monica Chats. It's a lot better than the first episode. <laughs> I will say, now I'm not like, it was like, I would literally um, say a sentence and then I had to go back and edit it. And I'm like, oh God, just, so anybody wanting to start a podcast, do not, <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> And uh, you got to get over hearing the sound of your own voice, too, because that's a little bit weird at first. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Um, but yeah, I, I was doing that because I was so attached to other people's opinions about it. Like I, at that point, like my opinion about my own actions wasn't as worthy as somebody else's opinions. And I didn't recognize why. I didn't really realize that was an issue because so many of us put so much stock in what other people say, we never question it. Again, it feels like reporting the news, right? Um, we think that like, oh, I need people to like me or oh, people liking me means that I'm successful, right? They say that like it's a cold, hard fact, but again, it's not fact. That is an opinion you have about something. Like the fact, is that somebody likes you or the possibility of somebody liking you. That's the factor. That's like the thing, you know, that you haven't, that you're forming an opinion around, but you have formed this opinion. Like I need people to like my passion project for me to be able to validate it. So yeah. now we need to go back to questioning that. And firstly, recognizing that that's not actually how it is. You do not like, even if you have a passion project and everybody shit, everybody craps all over it then, you know, that it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Like, let's figure out why that does matter. And once we get there, then we can move forward. Exactly. And I love it that you were talking about your first podcast, because I actually started um, another one called Mind Shift Transformation. And that was the first one. And because of the coach that I had, he listened to all of the things that I was doing and hence this is why we're at where we're at now. I pivoted and it was because I was going like, okay, so people really want to hear the fluffy part. You know, they don't want to hear the hard part, but you're right. I had to sit down and think about that. I was like, so why does it matter? 
Why does it matter that I am concerned about people want to hear what I think they want to hear? So do that inner work, people, because it is part of that, what I call the heart-brain connection, and it is so important. A lot of people are under the impression that you can't lead with your heart, and that is not true. There is actually 40,000 neurons that are in your heart that is connected to your brain. And this is actually backed up by um, modern day science. So when you really start thinking and you're going like, oh, I can't think with my heart. Yes, you can, because it is communicating with your brain. So I want to challenge y'all this morning that as we're wrapping up this podcast, really start thinking about what Monica said. Write down the facts versus opinions. See where you come out on that end and then start thinking about the heart brain connection because your brain is the one that is telling you, well, this is fact when and really it's not. It's an opinion. So start thinking about those things. And Monica, before we wrap up, what is one last nugget that you would like to give people? And especially now in some of the trying times that we're in, what's the one piece of advice you can give somebody right now? Well, you know, I think it's I I, I think it's interesting because like I hear trying times and I, I think that, that's actually you know I can't help but point it out but it's like, that's actually an opinion about the facts. You know what I mean? It's like it's too hard to catch up, but it's like I said the exact same thing. I'm like, oh my god, holy crap, we're in a pandemic. Like this is actually bad. Like this is good. but it's like really you know, other crap has happened to humankind, like worse, like, we're not in a black plague, you know what, I mean, like, it, it literally could be worse. And so not everybody in the entire, like, I had to ask myself that I'm like, is everybody in the entire world thinking that this is a trying time? When I look back on my life, like, my trying time was when I was growing up without running water or heat, like in a trailer, you know what I mean? So I'm like, I asked myself, I'm like, is this actually trying times for me? And I'm like, no, I, and I do not like, please hear me. Like I'm not like undercutting the significance of what's happening, but basically what I'm saying is that there's more sides to a story than just an opinion that you're giving about, you know, whether it be COVID or whatever, you know what I mean? And so that's just an example. And, you know, I wanted to mention, you know, we, we were talking about being able to separate, um, you know, the facts from our opinions about the facts, especially when it comes to ourselves, like it's a lot easier to catch. I did this a lot around like money, like money mindset, like a lot of time, like when, especially when I was, I grew up in poverty. And so because of that, I had a, had a lot of opinions about people who had money. And a lot of those opinions were that they were just um, selfish and that, you know, uh, oh God, what else? Like, you know, they morally compromised and things like that. And uh, so, unconsciously I found a lot of evidence for it like I found a lot of people who were just horrible people but it wasn't until I'm like is every single rich person like totally self-involved no there and then I found evidence for that and the opposite is true too like I grew up very poor and I knew a lot of other poor people that were total a-holes you know what I mean and so it's just asking yourself those questions and I would like the one last tip that I would give because I think it sounds like I feel like being able to separate your own opinion from the facts is like the theme of the day. And I had a lot of trouble doing this for myself. It's really hard to separate like the facts from opinions. 
obviously getting a coach and having them point that out to you is the easiest way. But an, another way you could do that is like write your name at the very top of a piece of paper and just in bullet point every single thing that comes up. Like, what does it mean to be, for me, like, what does it mean to be Monica Frederick? Like, what do I think about myself? Just one, like one sentence per line and just bullet point those out and read those to a loved one. If you can't read it out loud without giggling or kind of being like, oh, that sounds weird. And they just look at you and you're, they're like, what are you talking about? And then you know, if it's a fact, everybody agrees about it, right? It's a cold, hard fact. But it's like, if you read that to somebody else and they're like, what? And what are you even talking about? Then you know you got some work to do. Then that's that's your signal of like, oh, I need to start questioning this. If I start asking myself challenging questions about this thought of like, for me, it was um, because I, I remember having a thought like introverts can't be in business. And I, I remember like talking to somebody else about that. And they're like, I'm introverted and I do pretty well in business. And I'm like, oh, well, now I feel kind of doofy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not until you like do that and start once you start talking about it out loud it has first of all it has less power over you and secondly it's like this big flag that points up and you're like oh I didn't even realize that so that's the easiest way to go about that oh I love it I love it that you are telling them to call it out talking it out loud because that is the easiest way because you're gonna like oh yeah well maybe it's not and I absolutely love that. So everyone, like I always like to end the podcast, this was a really good podcast. This is really good nuggets. I hope you had a notebook. And if you're catching the replay, sit down with a notebook, take you some notes because you're going to need them. Really good information. And everyone, you are unstoppable. And you are the beacon of hope. Monica, thank you for coming on. And everyone, I hope you enjoy thank the you. rest of your Sunday.